WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR education reporter Max Larkin, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. All right, so Max, we talked to you just a few weeks ago after Harvard's governing body reaffirmed its support for then-president of the university, Claudine Gay, despite outside pressure for her to resign due to Harvard's handling of anti-Semitism on campus in the aftermath of the October 7th attacks in Israel and her testimony at a subsequent congressional hearing on the matter. Did I get all that right? You did. So far, so good. Okay. Now, Gay's detractors also charged her with plagiarizing in her academic research. And Harvard stood behind Gay through all of that. Then, on Tuesday, news broke that she would be stepping down after all. Help us make sense of this, Max. Tell us what happened between Harvard's decision to stick with Gay and her resignation. Boy, I wish I could tell you. I mean, there is an element of undiscoveredness here that, you know, maybe someday we'll learn everything that happened. Both Gay and the corporation, as they announced her resignation, made reference to things that were happening offstage, uh, threats and really nasty emails and calls, sometimes tinged with a racial animus were coming in. And so there's a world in which Claudine Gay, despite having trained for this job and probably sought it for many years, might have said, I don't need this. You know, I have children. This is just not worth it. You know, there were trucks with her face on it driving around outside her house, calling her the best friend Hamas ever had. And I don't think many of us would hold up particularly well to that. But then there were, as you mentioned, also these plagiarism allegations and more had surfaced the day before she resigned, and there may have been a sense in which she just didn't want to expose herself, her academic reputation. You know, after all, she's a tenured professor and will go back to being a political scientist after this decision was made. She may have just, or the corporation may have decided that you are becoming the story, Claudine Gay, and the institution, in a sense, has to move forward. You know, I got to imagine for Harvard— It's pretty embarrassing that the president with the shortest tenure is also the first black president of the university. That sounds like a huge cultural setback for this institution. Oh, absolutely. In the last year, we had this landmark case on race-conscious admissions, otherwise known as affirmative action in college admissions. And Harvard has been using that mechanism over the last decade or two in particular, to bring black and Latino students, more first-generation students, more low-income students to a school that was ultimately for sort of fancy white boys for, like, most of its history. It's very clear, whether you look on social media or talk to people, that they saw gay as, like, uh, a breath of fresh air. Maybe this place is starting to to change uh, in a deep way. And so to have not only affirmative action sort of struck down um, by the Supreme Court earlier last year, um, but then to have the first black president, as you said, leave after six months and two days on the job, it is extraordinarily embarrassing and 
chilling in a way. Whatever you think of Claudine Gay's response or her academic mistakes that she clearly did make. Did you talk to anybody from the Harvard community, students, faculty, to get their reaction? Yeah. So I I occasionally check this anonymous forum for Harvard students throughout this controversy. And there was a sense of real, I think, shock and sadness. You know, it just feels like a hand reaching from off campus and shifting things around. Universities are sort of supposed to be these self-contained worlds. And they've just been reminded powerfully that, you know, Congress and the media and, and all kinds of actors have influence. I spoke to Ryan Enos, who's a professor of government at Harvard, and he had this to say. This wasn't about Claudine Gay as a person. This was about a larger attack on American education systems as independent institutions caught up in our larger culture war and our larger political fights. And I think that if you can attack Claudine Gay because of that, you can attack anybody. I think there's a sense that If any institution was insulated from this kind of outside pressure, it was Harvard, which is the oldest university, probably the best-known university, and by some measures, the wealthiest university with its $50 billion squirreled away. I don't want to put too much importance on Harvard, which educates a tiny sliver of the nation's young people, but I do think this sends reverberations to anyone in leadership who doesn't sort of toe the line on anti-Semitism or makes other sort of slip-ups and becomes the target of what is a a pretty devoted uh, conservative movement to shake up and challenge institutional higher education. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy. Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Max. Now, Max, I'm also curious to know if you got the reaction of any black academics, not necessarily from Harvard, 
but um you know but people who are watching this at other universities or colleges yeah i had a really interesting conversation with this guy devarian baldwin who among other things studies higher education its relationship with american democracy and communities he teaches at trinity college in connecticut but he's based in our very own backyard springfield massachusetts and so baldwin was saying that uh, gay's presidency was in itself transformative, right? It's that representational victory, right? First black president. But then he noted, Mm -hmm. you know, when October 7th rolled around, you do have this diverse group, a lot of black and brown faces in the pro-Palestinian protest. And despite what you may may have heard, Gay did not embrace that movement. She did not publicly encourage that movement. In fact, when she was on Capitol Hill early last month, she said, you know, I find those chants abhorrent. So she kind of bent over mm-hmm. backward. You had some students yep. uh, punished. One, one student lost his job as a proctor for his behavior in pro-Palestinian protest. And yet, and yet, here's what Baldwin had to say. She did everything to demonstrate that she was not aligned with, with those people, that she did not support those people, that she she carried forth a certain level of cancel culture on the campus. And so then it's 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 quite interesting that she got canceled. I don't think, Daryl, that Baldwin's view is universally shared, and it's sort of not my experience to speak to. But if you are a black person, particularly a black woman, um, in this hyper-competitive world, it does feel like this sent a message that you can toe the line, try to balance all the competing influences, but that you are somehow a little bit more disposable at the end of the day, no matter how much loyalty, competence you show over your career. Okay, I want to come back to that, but I want to dig into these plagiarism allegations. Is there any type of validity there? I don't think if those charges were completely devoid of any kind of significance that she would have stepped down. It felt like this was the the second wave that hits you and and knocks you into the surf. And the Mm -hmm. reason that it had that force is because it looks bad if the leader of maybe the most eminent university in the country is not scrupulously academically honest. But at the same time, it's not clear why this wasn't detected earlier. And I think there are some people who say the kind of plagiarism she was engaged in is ultimately quite common in academic writing, that a few, you know, a difficult concept may be hard to explain in different words every time it comes up. And then I think it's important to say that the plagiarism can't be separated out so easily from the earlier knock on gay that she'd reacted badly to these these protests. I spoke to Jaime Sanchez Jr. He's a historian of identity politics and a postdoctoral fellow at Harvard. And he said that the allegations were awkward. The findings didn't look good for gay, but in a sense, it didn't matter. Those pushing for the evaluation of gays academic research knew that regardless of whether or not there was plagiarism, that intense public scrutiny would negatively impact her ability to lead Harvard. So it's like the charge just fits 
so neatly into a pretty politically right-wing case that was being made against Gay. The implication being that she was a diversity hire, that she didn't deserve the job in the first place. That's all part and parcel of this pro-Palestinian upsurge on campus. It was a way of attacking a nexus of ideas, and the people who did it, including Christopher Rufo, the conservative activist, basically admitted as much. And so in a certain way, I think we have to reflect as the media on how to do our own balancing act, right? We have to look into these allegations, which have some merit to them. But at the same time, we have to understand this is a coordinated political campaign. Mm-hmm. Now, Max, before we go, I have to ask you this because I'm very curious to know. You are a Harvard graduate and being the eyes and ears through this for WBUR, what are you thinking about right now as somebody who, who went to this institution? That's a good question. I still live nearby campus. I don't often think about my college years, but it was embarrassing Mm -hmm. on some level. And then I think I've seen people say, why are we talking this much about Harvard? And I think that's a relevant question as much as I'm called upon to do it. It can, I think, serve to distract from the fact that Israel's actions in Gaza have not been popular, that there's signs of growing distance between the prime minister of Israel and the president of the United States, that, you know, 20,000 people have died. And yet, I think the dilemmas and the controversies that beset Harvard and Claudine Gay, they're important to understand how rhetoric and speech are contained in this country. You know, we're not as as sort of liberated sometimes as uh, we may think ourselves. I guess what I'd say is this becomes an important lesson, a painful lesson, a sad lesson about trying to please everyone and then finally pleasing no one. And then, as Mm -hmm. I said, finally, there was a lot of, of, in some ways, positive and long-awaited change at Harvard in the last few years. And it just feels like that was dealt a devastating setback here. And so I think it will take some real courage on the part of basically everyone involved to move the ball forward to make sure that the place is as welcoming and as open-minded as it can be after, you know, and again, embarrassing and in some ways discouraging setback. Mm-hmm. Well, Max, thank you for sharing that, one. And two, thank you for taking the time to come through to the Common. As always, it's been a pleasure. We are always glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.